we're not really taught how to self-care over an extended period of time. We're not taught that self-care is important. And I, and I think self-care is kind of a buzzword, too, that sure. maybe we don't put a lot of, you know. But when we're talking about self-care, we're not talking about, like, a face mask. We're talking about, right. like, doing a lot of that extra work in whatever way that looks for you personally. It's not yeah. about, like, the beauty industry or about, like, hashtag self-care. Like, we're talking about really <laughs> right. doing the work to, to self-soothe. Right, exactly. Been There, Injected That is a TMI podcast about going through infertility and all the hormone injections, awkward moments, and nervous breakdowns along the way. I'm Elise Ash. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Been There, Injected That. Today, our guest is Jennifer Coletti. Jennifer is a hormone health coach, and she's someone who knows all about the infertility journey from a lot of different perspectives and can offer a lot of insight both as a past infertility patient and person and human who went through her own story to have her family and also as someone who knows so much about a lot of the holistic options available as you look to boost your fertility either with the help of assisted reproductive medicine or kind of on your own in those early days as well. So thank you so much for being here, Jen. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. So the other thing about Jen is if you've listened to the podcast, I talk a lot about this fertility yoga class that I went to and how impactful that was on my journey for a bunch of different reasons because it educated me a lot, but it also provided me with this community of people who are still very much friends in my life and people who I'm very connected to who were there for me during a deeply vulnerable time. And Jen was the one who actually not only facilitated the class, but actually created it. And so I don't know if I've ever said like, thank you. Oh, <laughs> but really, sure for, you have, but thank you. I don't Thanks know for if I have. There. I mean, I think that class I know has touched so many people and really provided this space for a lot of us who felt really isolated and alone. And for a lot of it, it was the first time we were saying a lot of these things out loud. Yeah. When you had the idea for this yoga class, where did that come from? And how did you come up with the structure where, you know, there was some talking and some support group-esque stuff at the beginning of the class, followed by some actual yoga practicing? I'm just curious to know, like, where that came from. (laughs) I think it was the class that I wanted to be in. I had started teaching yoga a couple of years prior to that. I had come from a really intense career in the fashion industry, which, you know, was not serving my body well. And when it came to conceiving, and that didn't come easy for me, I looked to my yoga practice to try to help me with the stress of that. And then I realized that there were all kinds of other women going through the same thing I was, and no one was talking about it. I think that we felt like there was a level of of hiding around that, whether it was mine or just the culture around it. And so I really wanted to create something where, like I, I always say, I wanted to create a circle where women could sit and tell their story and be fully supported and loved. And... And I didn't really know this then, but the way I would describe it now is I wanted to to incorporate practices that down-regulated the nervous system, essentially, because we live in a stressful world, right? I mean, we know that, right? And the word stress sort of has become 
I mean, I don't think we even take it as seriously as as it is because it's just so common in our world, right? right. Yeah. We're all under stress, right? We're all stressed. We all are working 24-7. We're connected to our devices and our work 24-7, and we don't shut off or shut down, really. For me, it was important to create this class that that allowed us to shift out of that mindset and to shift inward and to be able to listen to our bodies and learn from our bodies and to shift the nervous system in deep and profound ways so that our bodies could heal and that our bodies could conceive. By the time a lot of those women came to me, they had been defeated around fertility in so many ways. Yeah. Many of them had been told that they wouldn't conceive. Many would be told that they couldn't conceive naturally. Um, many have been were you know it was expressed to them their bodies weren't working or they were failing you know their bodies were failing them on so many levels and even if it wasn't said that way that's how it felt right it does and then it becomes a huge part of our identity and it becomes a huge way it, it affects the way that we see ourselves it affects the way that we make certain decisions, it affects that fight or flight response within our bodies. We carry that around with us everywhere. And so it just feels so close to the surface. So that if you're at a party and someone says, oh, do you have any kids? All of a sudden it can feel like a personal attack because it's implying no and you're worthless, even though that's not what that person is ever really thinking or implying. It's just the way we perceive it because we're so sensitive to this fear that our bodies are broken. Right. Exactly. And I think going back to what you were saying, Jen, about how sometimes people would find your class when they were already in a place of desperation or despair, and they were already feeling so overwhelmed and hopeless, as opposed to going, you know, the first couple months, if you might be feeling a little anxious and something might not be sitting right and you want to learn more, you want to find your community and be a little bit more proactive. And that's that's a theme that comes up a lot with all my guests where we talk about when's the right time to get therapy, when's the right time to get acupuncture, and the reality is like as soon as you can because being proactive about it can feel a lot better than damage control. Right, exactly. We're not really taught how to self-care over an extended period of time. We're not taught that self-care is is important and I think self-care is kind of a buzzword, too, that sure. maybe we don't put a lot of, you know. But when we're talking about self-care, we're not talking about like a face mask. We're talking about right. like doing a lot of that extra work in whatever way that looks for you personally. It's not yeah. about like the beauty industry or about like hashtag self-care. Like we're talking about really <laughs> right. doing the work to to self-soothe. Right. Exactly. And, and yeah, for me, like self-care is so much deeper than like you say uh, a face mask or, or no, getting a face masks are great too exactly right oh, not those just are all face masks yeah <laughs> i love makeup makeovers too but yeah no so you know as a culture we're not really ta- taught how to to use self-care practices or self-soothing practices to um to manage stress and to manage the nervous system. And so the nervous system, you know, we pretty much just end up in our culture in this fight or flight state at all periods of time. Our bodies just, we haven't been taught how to break that cycle. We're just taught how to go, 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 go. And I think also what you were saying with we're not taught to be able to sit with this for long periods of time. We're taught about quick fixes. I mean, look at like the diet industry where it's like, 
lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Like that is just the messaging we get is like, if you have a problem, fix it really fast and then move on rather than learning that being a human is to experience pain and suffering and trauma. And we need to learn how to actively manage that and not expect to just get over it. I mean, that isn't realistic. And I think we're taught as humans, like, oh, if you're experiencing pain or suffering or something's really hard, there's something wrong with you, as opposed to that's kind of just the normal and everyone goes through that. And we just need to figure out how to best manage that and be able to learn from those experiences and grow and push through it. Right, exactly. And, (laughs) you know, I think that's such a good point in that we're not also taught how to sit in something that's uncomfortable. Yeah, and recognizing that your feelings are going to be changing all the time and that you might feel really mad one day and the next day you might feel a little checked out and the next day you might feel mad again. And it's this continuous cycle of emotions and just learning how to document it, how to check in with yourself, how to recognize if something is being triggered, what do you need to do to process that emotion to be able to speak to it and then be able to move forward? Absolutely. And there are no wrong feelings in this, right? I mean, the roller coaster, the, the million different feelings that come with this are all valid and important to notice and to be with, even if they seem like they're switching every, you know, two seconds, right? Because that is very much how this journey goes. I think one of the other valuable parts of that class was also your ability to potentially challenge some of these thoughts that we might be having about our own experience or our own diagnosis. And you just had really great instincts about how to approach people with these different questions or resources. And can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. And I appreciate that. I think that, you know, it's first and foremost, is really easy to get stuck in our own heads and get stuck in a really anxious loop when we're going through something like infertility. And so I was trying to um, gently but po- and positively empower women into a deeper level of healing. And, and some of that may be just asking them to look at their thoughts in a different way because I really do believe that thoughts are things and we can really get stuck in our heads and we can get stuck in that negative feedback loop or there's a term I really like called limiting beliefs and we can get stuck in limiting beliefs. And you might say, well, what does a limiting belief have to do with infertility? And how could those things even meld together? But I think, you know, just from the standpoint of, well, I'll just use this really simple story that um, <laughs> that uh, I was in a business meeting one time and uh, with a colleague and I said to her, oh, man, I'm just so terrible at remembering names. And she looked at me and she said, you're only terrible at it because you tell yourself that. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> damn straight. Yep. Yeah, totally fair. <laughs> yep. Right about that. And from that moment, like it was a little bit startling in that moment, but I was like, yeah, she's absolutely right. So why am I telling myself that? Yeah, it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. And so, you know, I think that through so many different aspects of, you know, this fertility journey, we can get stuck in our heads and we can get stuck in negative um, patterns. And what I was hoped to do was give someone 
exactly that was give someone more hope and open their minds up to more opportunity and more options because there really are a ton of ways that we can heal the body and work with the body to optimize our fertility and so my goal was to always help someone open up their mind to see that so that's a great segue jen into a lot of these more holistic things that we can do ourselves to help boost our fertility naturally that can either work in tandem with Western medicine or, you know, long before we even get to that point. And I'd love to go a little bit deeper into what are some of those ways (laughs) that we can kind of treat our bodies and um, help nurture ourselves and eliminate some of those limiting beliefs. Absolutely. There are so many things that we can do. And, you know, I think the goal is to really find the balance between what feels good and what gets overwhelming. So that's the other piece of this is that sometimes we get to the point where we're doing so many things, it becomes not beneficial. So what my goal is for people is to find a really great, like self-care routine that that builds them as opposed to, you know, takes away. Yeah, and I think you can try a lot of this stuff and see how it sits with you. You know, just because you start doing acupuncture, it doesn't mean you need to do it indefinitely if it's not if it's stressing you out more right then then it's it's helping you. you then that's something that you can ask yourself as you explore some of these different options and treatments and you know, different things that you're doing yourself. I think that's a really important point, Jen, where I think sometimes we want to do all the things because we think, oh, now I'm really managing my right, health. Right. But how being stressed about it or not doing it with mindfulness and just trying to like check a box is a little bit different. Yeah. And it actually puts us back into that fight or flight cycle, interestingly enough. So going back to the nervous system, we know what, know about fight or flight now. That's the part of the nervous system where we're only trying to survive. It's like we're sprinting through life, literally and figuratively. And then the flip side of that is the rest and digest part of the nervous system. So in this part of the nervous system, it is exactly how it sounds, right? Our bodies can downshift. That's what I've been talking about throughout this podcast so far is the downshifting of the nervous system. When we downshift, then we're in that rest and digest part of the nervous system. And in the rest and digest part, this is where we feel safe, that's the beauty of it. We feel safe in this part of the, the nervous system. Again, in fight or flight, we're not feeling safe there. We're trying to survive. We're trying to run away from that tiger. In rest and digest, that's where we actually feel safe. This is where our digestion works, right? Where we're calm in our bodies, we're calm in our minds. And, you know, the interesting thing about our culture these days is we're just not spending a lot of time in this rest and digest part of the nervous system. I don't system. think people know how to do it. I'm sure not, right? I mean, I don't yeah. know. It's It has to be. I feel like those moments are so fleeting. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, and I'll recognize it in the moment if I'm feeling relaxed at home or with my partner or laughing about something with a best friend or like yeah. I'll, I'll notice these glimpses of it. But it's really hard to get to that sometimes Agreed. when you're used to living in fight, fight or flight. flight. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, because – you know, going back to what we were talking about with a self-care practice, right? Self-care practice is bringing in the rest and digest part of the nervous system. And that's really what it's meant to do, which actually, it when we're in that part of the nervous system, it does so much for us. I mean, it literally will reduce inflammation in the body when we're in that part of the nervous system. So let's take that a little bit deeper. And that when we 
live in the rest and digest part of the nervous system. This is the part of the nervous system where we actually conceive. So let's just take that in for a moment. So like if you're, if the bulk of our culture is living in fight or flight, the majority of the time, we're like that energizer bunny, right? We're running, we're sprinting through life. Okay. You're kind of, I always kind of think of of myself when I'm in that part of the nervous system is just like sprinting and like running like out of breath, right? Like, <sighs> oh my God, you know, like mm-hmm. out of breath. That's, and it may not feel like that all the time, but remember the buzz in the background, right? This is what we've, we've trained our bodies and our minds to do. We don't know how to access the rest and digest part of the nervous system, but this is the place where we conceive. This is the place where we feel safe. I think that's a really big, bold idea that we're not really talking about in regards to fertility, right? Like we live in this place of of not being safe the majority of our lives. We don't probably think about it that way, but that's what's innate within us, within this nervous system. And I think that's why it's so important to find your arsenal of techniques and community and ways to get to that rest and digest place. And that's a lot of work to do. I mean, if it sounds like, oh, gosh, now I have to like try all this stuff and figure out what works for me, like (laughs) kind of, but that's also, it's such a reward in and of itself to be able to self-soothe and find these tools and techniques to kind of pull yourself out of that sprint. Absolutely. You know, the universe is asking you to look at your life in a different way so that you can make space for children in your life. I remember one yoga class that I was in with you and there was another woman in the class and we were talking about making space for baby Yeah. in our lives and in our physical spaces. Mm-hmm. And is it helpful or hurtful to sort of create these spaces? Like the story I'm thinking of in particular was there was a woman whose sister had finished having her babies and was gifting a lot of like the crib and Hmm. stroller and all this stuff to, you know, this woman in our class who was leaving it in the garage. And she said that she would see it every time she pulled her car into the garage. Every time she came home, she was like seeing this stuff. Yeah. And I'm curious to know what you think, in regards to like this positivity of manifesting, you know, this life and having this hope chest or having these reminders and maybe even buying some like hopeful little onesies or something versus having to walk by that nursery yeah. or that room that's like supposed to be the nursery every day and just feeling like, Ugh. yeah, man, I mean, that is really tough. I don't think that that works for most people is like manifesting your way into I mean manifesting yeah absolutely I believe in manifesting but manifesting doesn't mean that you have to collect baby stuff and keep it in a place that triggers you on a regular basis I think that's for for very few people can can deal with that It's kind of like the infertility version of like saving your skinny jeans in like <laughs> hopes of one day one day they're gonna fit yeah but then, again. They, but then you keep trying and they still don't fit still don't fit and they're like just taunting you from your closet yeah I know right on a lesser scale yeah well but, maybe or maybe not yeah yeah no I mean yeah I completely believe in manifesting and we can talk about that as well but 
But manifesting doesn't necessarily mean that you have to fill your, your house with a nursery before baby's there. It doesn't mean that you have to buy onesies. It doesn't mean that you have to take all your sister's cast-offs. I mean, you know, the universe is going to provide for you when you are ready. Going back to what we were talking about, being able to determine within yourself what's helpful and what's hurtful right. and being able to notice this doesn't feel good. Yep. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm yeah. going to stop hanging out with that person. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to stop like trolling these Facebook groups. Right. I mean, setting up boundaries for yourself, right? Yes. You know, I, and like with the, with the woman that we were talking about, right, that kept taking her sister's things, you know, maybe in that case, and maybe that was okay for her and she was absolutely all right with that, right? But maybe for you and I, it would have been really helpful to have a boundary with that person and be like, you know, I can't, I can't do that right now. It's way too triggering for me, right? I can't take those baby items and look at them every day. It just breaks my heart every time I see them. We'll be right back. So I've spent a lot of time this past year developing awesome relationships with a bunch of different companies who serve TTC warriors. And many of them make products like supplements or pregnancy tests, or they sell services as well. And they're really trying to help people grow their families. A lot of these companies are being very generous and offering some incredible discounts to fruitful members and also listeners of Been There Injected That. So if you want to get in on this action, you should visit fruitfulfertility.org deals. There's some really awesome discounts on a bunch of brands you've probably heard of, some really trusted content and stuff, everything from helping with nutrition and fitness to helping track your sperm at home. There is a ton of great stuff on there. So before you buy anything else to try to get pregnant, I highly recommend you visit fruitfulfertility.org deals. And now back to the show. So Jen, um, I know that there are a lot of different holistic tools and resources that we can really focus on either in tandem with some Western treatment or really on its own, especially in those beginning months of trying to conceive and trying to make maybe some changes. So some of the things I'd love to talk about that you talk a lot about in your class and a lot of your work are, you know, gut health, nutrition, fertility yoga, Mayan abdominal massages, you know, castor oil packs, a lot of these things that, you know, we can pick and choose from what we, you know, where we want to focus. But I'd love to just talk a little bit about each one of those. So maybe starting with gut health. That sounds great. Yeah. Gut health is just a hugely important part of our, of our health, just in general. In our holistic circles, we're talking about that a lot. But in Western medicine, we haven't really learned much about gut health yet. And we, and so there's kind of a big, um, there's a, a, a gap in, in education around gut health. And probably one of the most important things to know about gut health is that over time, due to, you know, the, the things that we eat, antibiotics, antibiotics that we may have taken, um, the birth control pill, pesticide exposure, uh, a host of things really, the gut lining can break down. A healthy gut processes hormones the best way possible. So if we have any gut breakdown at all, and the newest information in holistic circles is that it's likely that we all have some kind of gut breakdown. So any gut breakdown is going to affect how we process our hormones, and which can leave us 
in a state of estrogen dominance, which is very common, um, and which just basically means that we're not clearing or processing our estrogens properly. Awesome. So maybe we can talk a little bit more about the yoga component as well. I know that's something that you've created this fertility yoga class, and I'd love to hear on more of, you know, the movement and practice side of yoga, how that can assist with some of the fertility challenges that people might have. Absolutely. I've tried a lot of different types of yoga. I've taught a lot of different types of yoga. What I've found is that a gentle practice, restorative practice, or yoga nidra practice are really the best types for fertility. And, you know, maybe you're new to yoga, maybe you don't know a lot about yoga yet, and that's awesome because yoga accepts you exactly where you're at, which I love. And so um, I know it can feel intimidating, So, but know that, right, wherever you are at, yoga receives you. So that's the beauty of it. There are um, practices that are more vigorous and more like you might see them. Uh, there's a practice called vinyasa, which is a flow yoga, meaning you go from one pose to the next to the next. It's pretty vigorous. And that's a great practice. I find it a little counterproductive for fertility. And the reason why is that, remember, let's circle back to to the fight or flight part of the nervous system, right? And the rest and digest part of the nervous system. The a vinyasa practice or a really like intense practice exacerbates that fight or flight cycle. It's just kind of like we're meeting ourselves where we're at, right? And so we're choosing a yoga practice that is that is very similar to that fight or flight cycle. And so I really like people to choose a practice that is more restful, like gentle yoga, restorative yoga, or yoga nidra. Um, you could do yin yoga too. Sometimes yin is a little bit more intense, even though the mentally, even though the practice is more um, is a slower practice. So what I like about all of those practices is is that they're they are slower practices. They do shift you into the rest and digest part of the nervous system um, for the majority of the practice. Yeah, now is not the time to, like, start trying to figure out, like, hot yoga. Right. Yeah. God, no. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Not a great time to be like, hey, okay, she said yoga, and now, yeah. like, they're all the same. I think that's something really important, too, is, like, yeah. there are so many different kinds, and it can feel really overwhelming, but it finding, can. like Jen said, something that's very restorative and that can put you in these poses for longer periods of time, that can really help slow you down. That's what we're talking about. That's exactly what we're talking about. And there are all kinds of, um, you know, opportunities online with apps now that you can do those practices. So you don't necessarily have to go to a class. I also like to let people know yoga doesn't have to be a 60-minute class, a 90-minute class. It can be 20 minutes of something that you do at home. So, Jen, something that you mentioned quite a bit in your class uh, is this treatment of myan abdominal massage. Yeah. And it's something that I had never heard of before. Um, And when I bring it up sometimes, I know a lot of other people haven't really heard about it. And I'd love to hear, you know, what is myan abdominal massage and why do you think this can be a valuable tool for people who are struggling to conceive? So myan abdominal massage is a low belly and low back massage. It's an external practice. And essentially the, the idea is to bring the uterus into its optimal position. And 
The practice originated in Belize and was passed from healer to healer to healer. Ultimately, that healer um, also has taught many American healers the practice, and it's essentially a lineage practice that goes from one pra- or one practitioner to the next to the next, which is kind of a beautiful thing that's not something that we know very well in the United States these days, right? The practice is about bringing the uterus into optimal position. She I'm going to call her she, the uterus. (laughs) She is suspended by ligaments in the pelvic bowl. And because she's suspended, it's really, um, it's, and because we live in the modern world too, she can move out of place easily. So a fall, a car accident, um, lifting something heavy can shift the uterus out of place. This is something that we don't know and we don't talk about in our culture. So Jen, I know something that you've recommended before that a lot of people can do at home are making their own castor oil packs and using those um, at home. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what are those? (laughs) (laughs) What the heck is that? How do you make them? Um, And why is this something that could be really beneficial for, you know, women trying to conceive? Yeah, I love castor oil packs. And I know it's it's kind of a um, and it's an old school modality, which I which I also love. Edgar Case is is really the um, the father of the castor oil pack. If if anybody wants to read more about about that, but essentially a castor oil pack is um, an external oil pack that you put on your body. You can use it. You can really use them anywhere on the body, and it disperses inflammation. That's what the castor oil does. So anything, anytime something is irritated, right, um, castor oil disperses inflammation. And that's what I love about it. So castor oil is, um, it comes from the castor bean. And the castor bean apparently is actually um, toxic to the body, but the oil is not. So interesting enough. So don't eat them. Don't eat but- the beans. <laughs> But yes, we want to use the oil. So if you can find an organic um, uh, variety in a glass bottle, that would be ideal. And you want wool flannel, which you can get at a local co-op. Some saran wrap or (laughs) tin foil sounds weird. I know already. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, a heating pad or a hot water bottle would be ideal. And then maybe some old towels. And when you're doing this, Kind of wear things that you don't mind if they get oil on them, like your old, old jammies or old sweats or something like that. Yeah, this is that's like the big caveat here is this is really messy, and so I wouldn't do yeah. it on like a nice couch. It's like, right. yeah, get your ratty old like softball t-shirt or like something that you is already covered in paint because exactly it gets messy. Yeah, and casserole is a little bit hard to get out in the wash too, so just heads up on that. It's just gonna be messy. <laughs> Prepare yourself emotionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Basically, you're gonna pour the castor oil on the wool flannel. About um, a couple tablespoons is usually enough, and then and then you can just fold the the wool flannel in half and get the castor oil kind of spread out evenly. Try not to put it all the way to the edges, and that'll help to, you know, kind of contain some of the mess. On the wool flannel, then you're gonna lay that wool flannel over the low belly. Now, the beauty of castor oil is not so with fertility, it's going to help to um, disperse inflammation with the uterus, but also it helps with our digestion too. It can help with 
liver detoxifying too. So you could put it on the low belly. So you're going to put that wool flannel over the low belly. Then you're going to put the, the saran wrap over that. And that just helps the mess essentially. And then over that, you're going to put the hot water bottle. And then you can, you know, sit and chill and, you know, watch TV or you could um, you could lay in bed with that. If you're going to, uh, you might just want to have a towel underneath you. So ideally sit with it for about 45 minutes to an hour. You can do castor oil packs. all. You can wear them all night long if you like. There is a, a more succinct castor oil pack that um, there's a brand called Queen of Thrones. And she has the the organic castor oil she's got her own pack too so you don't have to do the wool flannel and the um, saran wrap and stuff so it's a little bit more contained so you could look at that brand as well and that one you could wear all night long you could essentially sleep with it so and it does feel really nice on your skin too I mean it feels really like nourishing and I know also you'd mentioned before Jen that um, you like don't necessarily take a shower immediately after if you can just like deal with letting it soak in a little bit more after you're done with it that's kind of nice or rub it into your belly a little bit more and then you know rub it into your hands as well so that's really good it does it's so nourishing to the body and that's what all of this this you know self-care that we've been talking about from you know what I really like to teach is nourishment and that's what that does for the body is it's really really nourishing So one more thing, Jen, that I know you are a huge believer in and something that you practice yourself, you have such an emphasis on writing in your practice as well, journaling, writing down different manifestations, um, being able to connect with yourself, being able to process your feelings. Uh, You're a writer. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about why you think that can be so valuable for people. And I know also you're writing a book, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think writing is just such a, a cathartic practice in that it it can help us clear that which feels really stuck inside us, just like therapy does to us too, when we're able to talk about things out loud. I really love the practice of journaling or writing and because it really helps it can not only help us to clear but it help it can help us to process things and to help to shed those layers so anytime we're we're holding trauma in it builds builds not only that that stress response in the body but it builds the inflammatory response too and when we build both the stress response and the inflammatory response it also affects our progesterone and estrogens too. So we're affecting our hormones. So taking the opportunity to write about your feelings or do some, doing some writing exercises. I'll be putting some up on my blog as well. And just allowing yourself to clear out what we what we often call in yoga the monkey mind. You know, the monkey mind is kind of that that uh, that part of us that's anxious, those those thoughts that ruminate in our in our brains, right? And when we ruminate, we get stuck in that kind of anxious cycle, which again makes us stuck in that stress cycle. So common in that infertility journey, right? We get so stuck in our heads. Totally. And I think also something worth noting, you know, when we're talking about journaling or writing, this doesn't have to be some formal stressful thing. You don't have to like buy some fancy journal. It can be something you write on some printer paper at work. It can be a Word document that you have or a Google Doc that you have that you just 
dump your thoughts into. It can be the notes on your phone. You could do a voice memo recording if the idea of writing Absolutely. stresses you out. Like the whole idea is really just being able to process and find the words to articulate what you're feeling and no one ever has to see it. You don't have to share it. You don't need to like make a blog or a book or an Instagram post. Like yeah, it's those, just for you. Totally. It can be private. It can look however you want. If you like the sensation of actually physically writing with a pen, go nuts. If you want to type, you can do that. I mean, there's no right or wrong. It's just whatever works for you. Right. We've also done some exercises, some writing exercises specifically, Jen, where you know, you've had us write down our limiting beliefs of yeah. my body is broken. I can't get pregnant. This will never happen for me. And all those negative things that we're telling ourselves all day, every day. Right. And then actually writing the opposite of that almost as that kind of affirmation and putting it in that positive way. And that was a really powerful tool I know for me because I am so monkey minded and spin out so easily and I'm just really someone who's prone to catastrophic thinking. And so that was a really helpful exercise in your class. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah, it, it's, I love that practice. And, and I do it myself, too. I do it, you know, regularly still to this day. I think that it, it's just ba- basically like checks and balances. Like, look at how you're talking to yourself. You know, are you being kind? Are you being gentle? In yoga, we use this phrase um, about um, sharing something with someone. Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? And could we use that practice with ourselves, right? I feel like half the shit I say to myself is like none of those things. Right? Exactly. Just like mean judgments for no reason. For no reason, right? We're the worst to ourselves. Like what's the opposite of all of those? Right, yeah. So it's just taking the opportunity to rewrite those limiting beliefs, those, you know, toxic mantras and giving them new light, giving them positivity. And it's essentially lifting our vibration, lifting us out of the negativity and giving us, you know, um, you know, it's when you can lift yourself out of negativity, it's easier to feel hope. Um, So I'm wrapping up my book. I'm really excited about it. It's this beautiful culmination of all that I've learned and taught over the years. And it's essentially going to be a, a holistic guide from infertility to pregnancy. So all the things that I've been teaching in my classes, all the things that I've practiced myself and really found that worked well for me, all the practices that I've given to other people and and watch be successful and achieve pregnancy. And so I'm really excited for that to, um, you know, finally um, come together and to birth that baby, essentially. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's exactly what you're doing. And I just, I can't wait to read it. You have so much wisdom and guidance and you have been such a instrumental teacher on my journey. And I really appreciate you being here and sharing with our listeners just a, just a little taste of everything that you know. <laughs> and I feel like we could just talk here for another four hours. I but um, thank you so much for coming, Jen, and for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's my honor to be here. That was Been There, Injected That. It is a new podcast produced by Fruitful Fertility, hosted by myself, Elise Ash. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe. Please rate us. Check out our website. Send us an email. Let us know what you're liking, what you're not liking, what you want more of, what you want less of. This is something new to us, and we are just excited to be helping spread the word. So thank you so much.